I, I would rather not take the other things and take this. That'll work. Okay, good. So uh, this evening is Wednesday. It is October 7th, uh, 2009. Our message this evening is called Supplant. Supplant is not a word that we hear very often. It is not written in the NIV Bible because it's not in the people's vernacular anymore. We use other words instead. But what you see on the screen before you is uh, Merriam-Webster's online dictionary, and I thought it was worth reading. It is uh, it's interesting. Can you all see that? No? Not really? Yeah, I'll make it bigger. That better? That more better? To supersede, especially by force. Or, what's that last word? Treachery. Treachery. To eradicate and supply a substitute for. Well, I like that. To eradicate and supply a substitute for. To take the place of and serve as a substitute for, especially by reason of superior excellence or power. (laughs) Supplant. What a powerful word that is. Look at this. We have been taught that the word Jacob means deceiver. Almost every Bible dictionary that you look at will define Jacob as supplanter. This idea is taken from the way that he was born. He will, and we'll read about that in a second. But from the moment he was born, he began to supplant other people. Because of this idea... And since sometimes the word supplant is associated with treachery, Jacob has been called a trickster. Jacob has been called a deceiver. These are only partially true. Jacob will do whatever it takes to supplant by any means necessary. And what God did was he took him from someone who would supplant by treachery, someone who would supplant by deceit, and he changed him into someone who would rule with God. A prince with God. But what is painfully important that we get is God never changed his base nature, which was to supplant, to take the place of another, to supersede the other, especially by power or excellence, to kick somebody out of a seat so that it can belong to you. I know that doesn't sound very Christ-like. It doesn't sound like the kind of thing that we would normally associate with Jesus Maybe we need to radically rethink the way that we think about Jesus. In Genesis 25, you can write down, if you like, around the 21st verse. It's on your screen there. I don't think I put it in the slide for you. You hear a story. I didn't. And in the story, a man named Esau is being born. But alongside his heel, Jacob's hand has grasped. And as if Jacob was trying to will Esau back into the womb so that he could be born first. A prophecy came to their mother and father, Isaac and Rebekah. The older will serve the younger. What this is for is the older's role was destined. It was given. It was a seat that Esau was supposed supposed to occupy. But from the moment he was born, Jacob had his eye on that seat. And we can blame Jacob for that, except God said it would happen. 
And you can criticize Rebekah, his mother, for helping him to do it. I mean, they deceived old Isaac, who was blind. She helped him trick her husband. And I don't like the way she did it. And I'm sure you don't like it either. And yet, somehow or another, God used unholy means to carry out His holy will. People who work on farms don't have to trust the horses they use to plow the fields. They just have to find horses that will plow the fields. And apparently our God is not beyond using people's natural motivations to get things done in the kingdom. But you need to understand something. This is not an excuse to remain unchanged. I'm simply suggesting that God made you the way that you are for a reason. And it is His goal, His prerogative to refine you. If you're a people person and you think it is a bit of hindrance, you're wrong. God made you a people person because He intends to use you in a certain way, but it must be God's way. If you're somewhat shy and intend to do well working alone by yourself for a long time, this is not wrong. You just must be used and motivated by God to be refined in your personality to do the things that He has called. But He has made us all as different as the very colors of His rainbow, and everyone glorifies Him. But in the heart of every believer must be something like Jacob. We need to recognize that someone or something has occupied that which belongs to you. And you might have your hand on His heel, or you might have your hand on his neck, or you might have him by the ears. But somebody else has what is ours. Look at Genesis 1:28. I put it on the screen, and we'll see if we can blow it up here for you. Don't get used to this. <laughs> God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Mankind was given dominion, rulership. This was his kingdom. He submitted to God and he is ruling, so it is all God's kingdom. But he was told to subdue something that was here. There was already something in man's kingdom, and man had to run it out. Darkness covered the face of the earth. God introduced something called light, and light began to drive back darkness. Have you ever heard somebody say, man, he put the kibosh on it? I, I had this proposal at work, but man, he put the kibosh on it. Look at that Hebrew word on the screen. What is it? Kibosh. To tread down. To disregard. To conquer and subjugate. Man was called to conquer, to subjugate, to tread down something that was already present upon the earth. Saints, man in its very beginning was called to supplant a foreign power that was here. You follow me there? Yes. Kabash, isn't that a cool Hebrew word? I like when it makes sense already in English. Deuteronomy 4.38 You were shown these things so that you might know that Yahweh is God. Besides Him, there is no other. From heaven, He made you hear His voice to discipline you. On earth, He showed you His great fire. His holy smokes, Batman. 
And you heard his words from out of the fire. Because he loved your forefathers and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. When God wanted to show his nature among the people, he gave them his law, his character. And then he told this people, you go throw out those people. God's nation was a nation named Jacob, named Israel, that supplanted other nations. God has the right as the sovereign to say, I don't like the way this is being done. I am raising up a man after my own heart that will do what I want him to do. You go throw them out. Because after all, it all belongs to him anyway. Saints, there are areas of our lives that somebody else is sitting in a seat designed for you. You will never be happy. You will never feel fulfilled. You will never recognize God's power in your life until you are involved in the action of supplanting the enemy from the areas that some people call strongholds. I don't even like to call it a stronghold. I don't want to give him that much credit. Sometimes he sits in an area that belongs to me. It's our job to identify it and throw him out. Look at Joshua 23, 11. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. Sometimes I think we have the attitude that if God called us to do it, it should be easy. All seven nations that Israel faced had giants in them. You think that that's a mistake? All seven nations had giants in them. He didn't say he picked Israel because they were big and strong. He said he picked you because you're rather puny and miserable. God didn't call you to do anything that's easy. And this is why most people give up. They say, God called me to do this. Oh, wow. That burns, that hurts, that see. I think he's calling me to do this. And then they try that for a while. And they bounce around like leaves blown from a storm. They're clouds without rain, waves without water. This is what Jude describes. You know what else he says? There are men who follow their mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. The reason for this, saints, is because everything God calls you to do has got to be done by His Spirit and it's not within your natural ability to do it. But when we flow in Him, He drives out nations more powerful than us. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you. One of you routes a thousand because God fights for you. My God, we need to get hold of that. We would not sit and whine about what's going on in our finances. We would not sit and tremble in fear when our kids are sick. We would not sit full of anxiety over our future if we could get hold of one of us chases a thousand of them. Because God fights for us. When we stand and we cry and we whine and we act like He will not come through and we dwell in despair and our mouths point the way to hell. What we are saying is we do not believe God fights for us. He put you here to take territory. 
We need to get that through our heads, saints. The kingdom is at hand, and forceful men lay hold of it. Not weenies, not pansies, not the fickle, not the weak-hearted sisters that fill our churches now. He put men and women of character who will latch on to him and not let go. If he points you in this direction, all the power of hell cannot change your direction. You repent for God and God alone. Stubborn men, difficult people, who do what he says to do, come literal hell or high water. Tenacity is something that the body of Christ must possess or we perish. How many nations do you think would do what Israel did? When the war committee meets, they would say, we are not able to take this land. And they wouldn't. But when God calls it, there doesn't even have to be anything special about you. You'll see that Esau's descendants did the same thing because God told them to. John 12. Can y'all see this on the screen? Yes. Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? I know what you say. God didn't call me here anymore. And I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about your situation. Work suddenly become difficult. Well, God must want me to move. I saw some Catholic folks holding up signs about abortion, uh, anti-abortion, and it was raining. But even the Catholic folks stayed standing there. Praise God for them. Praise God for them. Charismatics probably would have heard that God wanted them to go in the inside of the donut store. God had a blessing for some. They wanted the drug dealer's vehicle that drove by. They're claiming it, chasing after it. Saints, there's something to be said for grit. Where's the grit in the body of Christ? Why have we neutered and emasculated the body of Christ to the point where everybody just is here to be blessed? I'm not here to be blessed. I'm here because I'm born to kill Philistines. Why are you here? I'm here because somebody else has what belongs to my God, and I am going to take it. And you know what it was? Your lives. And you know what it is? The lives of the people that we still have not seen saved. He speaks to me and tells me that some are hopeless. But I'm not supposed to be in conversation with him, am I? When our God says to do, there is no more counting the cost. Your life already belongs to him. Simply do it. Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Does that sound wrong to you? They're going to kill me. Save me, Father. Is that what I should say? Listen to Jesus' attitude. What should I say? Should I say, save me? Well, let's take a vote on it. 99% say, yes, save me. Well, where would that leave all the rest of us if nobody was willing to lay down their life? This is sarcasm. Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Saints, our attitude has got to be, Father, glorify your name. But Lord, my possessions, Father, glorify your name. But Lord, my relatives, Father, glorify your name. But Lord, my finances, Father, glorify your name. Saints, are we here for our glory or His? Are we here to amass comfort for ourselves? 
like Christ. Well, look what Christ is like. He's troubled beyond belief. But he will not allow himself to say, rescue me. Instead, he said, glorify your name. The wind blows and some Christians cannot do God's will because of it. A leaf got in their way on the way to go do a good deed and it changed their minds. It cannot be so, saints. The demons could line up one after another. And you know what you should say? Wow, with one rock, look how many I could knock down. Like shooting buzzards on a fence line. Not that I've ever done that. It really is fun. I want to see me done. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. You need to know that nothing that God has ever called you to do has not been done by somebody before. He's not asked more of you than he asked of someone else ever. You know why? Jesus was the ultimate. He was the ultimate. You cannot go further than he did. So don't get the attitude, I'm the only one. Why do I have? Get over yourself. It has been going on for thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years. The question is, will you join the hall of the faithful? Or will you remain in the masses of mediocrity? They never called themselves that. No, they're regular legends in their own minds. And they tell stories about each other. They lift each other up beyond God Himself. While men of God are men of little account, of no accord. No one knows their name, but it is written in the heavens and the demons fear them. Listen to this, saints. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. How about in your own life? How many times has your weakness brought about His strength? It has happened, it surely has, or you would not be here. So what makes you think it won't happen next time? I sat today thinking about my great need. My needs are not all that great. In fact, there's not anything about me that's all that great. But as I began to meditate on it, all I could think about was all of the times that he's already delivered me. What would make me think he's not going to deliver me this time? Understand, I did not say rescue me. Delivered me. He rarely takes you out of the problem. He takes you right through the middle of it. You tread on it. You take its territory. You supplant it, whatever it is. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now was the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Do you hear that? Driven out. Whether it takes a whip and a cord, whether it takes kind deeds that no one else will do, whether it takes sleepless nights of prayer, we must take the enemy's territory. And I want you to understand, he does not give it up willingly. Saul told David, go get me a hundred foreskins. And you can have my daughter as a bride. David brought 300. Do you think that the Philistines walked up and said, I'd like to make a donation? (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. How did he get them? Men of God have always had to be forceful. There are Philistines of various kinds out there that you must grab by the hair. And strike down. Saints, sometimes they sneak up as you look in your pantry and don't see what you think you need. 
Sometimes they sneak up as you back out your driveway in your car. And you don't feel like God's man of power for the hour. Sometimes they show up on your boss's shoulder as he berates you. Sometimes they show up in various ways. But our job is to take from them. It is not our job to let them take from us. If you had the idea that Jesus was a pansy, you need to rethink this statement. Now is the time for the prince of this world to be driven out. How long had the prince of this world had it in his hands? And now a man with no army. A man with his own family thinking he's crazy. A man that the majority of his disciples have already left. Stands and says, we're going to glorify God's name because I won't be rescued from this. I won't be rescued from this. I'm going to drive him out. It cost him his life to do it, but he did it. And so God gave him life again. Saints, that is what our faith is about. Why did we get the idea that there's not any hardship? If there is no hardship and all men speak well of you, something else might be wrong with you. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Deuteronomy 2.25, look at these these guys. They were a people strong and numerous, and as tall as the Anakites. The Lord destroyed them from before the Ammonites, who drove them out and settled in their place. The Lord had done the same for the descendants of Esau, who lived in Seir, when he destroyed the... Anybody want to pronounce that one? Horites. Horites. wonder what God threw out the Horites. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the etymology of that word, but I know this. When God told Esau, go take that land... He went and took it from the Horites. How about that? They drove them out and have lived in their place to this day. You know, there's something special Miami did. Around the days of Miami Vice's glory, people started to notice, drug dealers really drive those kind of vehicles? Well, when they get put in jail, why don't we take their vehicles and publicly auction them? Why don't we take their vehicles, put big stickers on them, and give them to the cops? And Miami did that for a while. Can you imagine the sting? To watch your Ferrari drive down the road with a policeman in it, and it says this used to belong to a drug dealer, but now it's been confiscated by the state. Can you imagine the cop? How exciting that must be? There is an evil power that is trying to hold this world in sway. Your job is to take it from him and then laugh at him while you have done it. It was never supposed to be his. He's in it illegally. And as for the Avites who lived in villages as far as Gaza, and the Kaffirites coming out from Kaffor destroyed them and settled in their place. These are peoples that are not even Israelites. And they did what God told them to do. Set out now and cross the Arnon Gorge. See, I have given it into your hand. Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon in his country, begin to take possession of it and engage him in battle. Come on now. Engage him in battle. God had to point to the other nations and say, they've done what I told them to do. If you went home tonight and you were lost and somebody else was living in your house, they just decided to set up shop there. They're sitting in your lazy boy, watching your TV, eating the food out of your refrigerator, and petting your dog. How well are you going to take that? (laughs) Probably going to say no. You might even go so far as to engage them in battle. Well, saints, this is exactly what the situation is. 
because in war there is casualties. But we serve a God who is able to raise the dead. He did not call you just to be comfortable. He didn't do it. He didn't call you just to make sure everything was okay. He called you to aggressively, relentlessly, tenaciously take it to the enemy. And just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not all around you. Look at Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Read this for a second in your own mind. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and Eric has been taking hold of it. Mm-hmm. Can you insert your name there? Because God's will is that you are able to insert your name here. God's will is that you could say, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and Irma is laying hold of it. And Nolan is laying hold of it. Laying hold of it a little bit like grasping someone's heel and saying, there is no way you were being born before me, dude. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. You think it's yours? It's mine. I am taking it. I don't like the way Jacob did some of the things that he did, but I would hold out rather have Jacob rule over me than Esau. You not like some of God's methods and means. But I would a whole lot rather have his kingdom reign over me than his predecessor. He actually has no predecessor, but you know what I mean. You have to take the kingdom. Saints, to be able to take the kingdom, it's pretty important that you understand this. And this is Ephesians 2, 6 through 7. And God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him. What Jesus has already taken, what he has already supplanted, He has given to you. He has given to you His position. The first time I read this verse, I read it in a Kenneth Hagin book called Spiritual Authority. And it didn't have the verse written there. It simply had, you are seated with Christ at the right hand of God. I'd been born again about two years. I'd read the book of Ephesians many times through. And do you know what I did with that in that book? Crossed it out with a pen. Because I thought it was a mistake. I thought that he wrote it incorrectly. I thought that he must be misquoting the verse. Because I never understood after a couple years in powerful, spirit-filled Christianity, seeing visions, hearing the voice of God, that I was actually seated with Jesus in his place, in his position. That he had already supplanted the enemy and put me there. In fact, I still saw myself very much as needing to fight for all of those things. Saints, if you don't feel seated with Christ, somebody's in your seat and you need to throw his butt out. You wouldn't put up with it if you paid $20 for a ticket. You wouldn't put up with it if you paid $1,000 for a ticket. How much more of the most precious substance on the planet was shed to pay for that seat? Don't put up with it. You need to learn to identify the enemy's workings in your life and take territory from him. And brothers, sisters, when he hurts you in some way, go after him in some way. I recently have had a few setbacks. I am going after him for that. You understand something? He came into my camp and took something that belongs to me. 
I'm going to take the Israeli approach to this. If you kill one of our citizens, we will kill ten of yours. Because we're the minority. You understand? That's what Israel's army does. If you kill one Israeli soldier, they figure since they're the smallest nation, they should kill ten of yours. This is the attitude that the people of God need to adopt. Except our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual powers and principalities. You lost a battle last week? Go step on his head ten times this week. You feel like your prayer was not powerful in one situation? Make sure it's powerful in the next ten. not well received in one area, go to ten more, or a hundred more, or a thousand more, how many ever it takes. This church will be full of the number of people that we can disciple. I don't want not one more than can be discipled or is willing to be discipled. Because if all we do is occupy these seats, when God has called us to perform out there the things we've practiced in here, we've all failed. We must learn to take the enemy's territory. I've been harassed enough lately to be mad enough to want to fight. How about you? Yes. I think what we're going to do is we're going to close in prayer. But I want you to take a couple things into prayer. I want you to think about the area that you feel like you've been the resisted in the most in your faith, whether it's your emotions, whether it's some outward thing, whatever it is, and as we begin to pray together, you speak it out loud or just speak it in your mind, let us take authority over that because our God has given us the authority to tread upon them. And then you begin to think of at least two, we'll start there, ways in which you can strike back. Two ways that you can do something that you know would be heaping hot coals upon your enemy's head. If there is somebody that is being particularly ugly to you, where are two places that you can go speak the kind, gentle words of God and see the kingdom advance? If you feel something's being stolen from you, where are two places you can go sow the life-giving seed into someone's lives? Think about at least two ways to strike back. And if you're like me, if you have an aptitude for fighting back, if you're not the kind that just likes to lay around, you might find a thousand ways to strike back. And as you get busy doing that, I bet the enemy will find someone else to go and target. Saints, I don't want to be riddled with devilish things anymore. And when he's present, I want him to be present beneath my feet where he belongs. I have quite a few relatives that are alcoholics. First funeral I ever did was for my 44-year-old uncle. She couldn't kill herself any faster. She was taking arsenic. 
stand and take it, or you're going to learn to fight back. Sometimes it requires you to be a little bold, a little silly. Maybe even have people criticize you for the way that you act. But with that comes the knowledge that the glory of God is resting upon your shoulders. And it is a good deal. How many of you think it would be okay to have the whole world stand against you if you were absolutely confident Jesus was standing with you? We all say it. Yourself in a position to test it. We've given you a chance. Let's pray. Let's join hands. Or shoulders or feet. I don't care. Stand close to someone. Mighty God. Lord, we believe that you have given us all things. You said, whether Apollos or Paul, all things are ours. You called Abraham the very heir of the world. Well, Lord God, we're asking that you would show us how to put one foot in front of the other and take what you've given us. You told the Israelites that the promised land was theirs and you had given it to them and then told them to go and take it. Well, we're asking, mighty God, that you would show us how to take the things that you have given us. We confess before you that there are areas of our lives where the enemy has stolen from us. Mighty God, what we're asking for is that you show us ways in which we can strike back for you. Mighty God, that your holy retribution would fall, not upon men, but upon spiritual powers. Lord God, that we would see salvation break forth. That we would see oppression lifted. Mighty God, that we would see those that do not have, be blessed with. Mighty God, that we would have the chance to see your kingdom being set up on earth. Show us in our very actions how to advance your kingdom in Walmart, at the gas station, in our workplace, in our apartment complexes, in our homes and neighborhoods. We love you, Jesus, and we're just about to get super serious about you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. i got one more thing to ask of y'all. we got a scripture card thing going on. Right on one of your cards. Eric, Matthew, Mexico. How hard would that be? Eric, Matthew, Mexico. Keep your cards with you. Over the next three days, every time you feel those cards in your pocket, like these in mine, pray for us. Okay? Uh, It's no mistake. God has put us in a position of weakness to go and do something. Uh, Otherwise, where would the hearts of men of God ever get refined if we always had everything we needed? It's why he does not call millionaires to do this kind of work. It really is. What we are going to do in the natural is go be knee-deep in Mexican sewage. That's what we're being asked to do. What I am believing is going to happen while we are there are miracles of the first-class order. We will have freedom in our schedules that when the workday is done, to put on backpacks with Bibles and go into the city. I'm asking that you would pray for us. You can win a battle that we face there, here. When he and I were just teenage boys, my wife used to spend the night praying for us while we were on the streets of New Orleans. And I am certain that she saved our lives more than once. Mm. More than once. Remember Keith? (laughs) (laughs) It was more for us at that point than anyone else. We were being trained. But if we're not trained to at least do some damage to the enemy's kingdom at this point, there's probably no hope for us. So pray for success. Amen? Amen. Pray for success. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, I am not doing the UFC thing tonight. Uh, I'll 
I'll save it and we'll watch two of them next week if you can wait. If you can't wait, watch it. Have a great time. I need to devote some time to some more spiritual things. There's nothing wrong with UFC. It's been given to us for our enjoyment, along with everything else. I just choose to focus on something else tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Love y'all. Love you.